Hi! Welcome to What You Reading, Dude. It's Lauren, Lisa, and Jamie. This is our time to catch up and share what we've been reading and inspired by, hoping to stir some deeper conversations. No one person has time to read every book or listen to everything, but we figure this is a good way to trade ideas, expand our horizons, and maybe inspire you as well. Just a reminder, this is for us, this is for fun, and we are not experts. Enjoy! Hey there, it's Lisa, leaving a voicemail. It's being recorded a little bit after Jamie and Lauren's, but you know, the thing I wanted to share today transcends time. That's a bit of an overhype, but basically I have a really random thing that I wanted to share. And it's that I've been noticing my eyes when I'm tired at night sometimes, like, let me paint you a picture. Like when I'm looking at my phone or maybe watching Netflix in bed, I'll notice after a while, my eyes start to have different color tones to them. Like not the eye itself, but how I'm perceiving light. So the left eye might be like a cooler tone. It'll see the world in a cooler color tone than my right eye, which will see it in a warmer color tone. And I started to notice that I would say maybe within the last year, and that totally tracks with like increased Netflix watching. I find it really weird, not gonna lie. And, you know, I I don't know if it's like fully based on watching a screen by itself. Like I, I feel like there was a scenario or some situation where that came up where I hadn't been Uh, watching like a screen like I think I might have been reading in bed once and so at first since it's like one is blue and one is red like not dramatically but enough that I noticed it I started to wonder what that is and if it's an issue and you know the first thing that comes to mind are like 3d glasses where they have a blue side and a red side and I was like hmm is that related unclear. I don't know that that's actually a thing, but if anybody knows if that's actually like why the blue and red glasses are, let me know. So anyway, I started to look into this and I just googled basically like different color tone in eyes. And there's this Vox article about this. Of course, yeah, I feel like Vox is just covering obscure news. You know, they cover the main stories too, but I'm like, thank you for having an article on this. It just kind of helped validate that I'm not the only one who goes through this. The article is sharing how it's not completely uncommon slash is kind of common for there to be color differences between the eyes. And so it can be from a number of different things. So One factor is we're not completely symmetrical beings, you know, just like one foot might be larger, one hand might be smaller, one eye might be higher than the other, you know, etc. But also, they were saying how it's not just the light coming through the lens of your eye, but there, you know, there are multiple steps in that process, like the neuroreceptors have to take it back to your brain, which is interpreting it and then bringing it back, like there's a you know, multi-step process there. And so any sort of little, I don't know, differences in those paths 
can lead to this differential in vision perception. And then on top of that, there's a there's another point that I think is linked into the asymmetry of our bodies. And it's, you know, the cone receptors in your eye, it may not be exactly like, oh, do you have certain cones or not? Because, you know, if you're not colorblind, like th- this can happen to people who are not colorblind, you know, it can be the density of the cones between the two eyes may differ. And that may actually lead to a different reading of the color tone of what you're seeing. So all of that was super fascinating to me. I tried to dig a little deeper and came across a re- like a research paper that was way over my head. I, I don't know. We'll see if I get through it. I was reading the abstract and I was like, whew, all right. <laughs> just leave this to the experts I have they were referring to other studies and this is just not my field of expertise but it's a really bizarre thing that's been happening and I wouldn't say it's constant but I'm also not watching Netflix or like staring at my screen constantly at night and if I am doing that I'm trying to decrease the contrast between the screen and my surroundings. So I'll keep a light on or just not look at my screen. You know, that's the goal. <laughs> that's the ultimate goal. But it's been kind of weird. I, You know, I was like, oh, is this something I should check out with an eye doctor? And you know, maybe, maybe, I don't know. It was at least slightly validating to see like, yeah, other people experience this and here whole number of reasons why that may be so fun little tidbit for you all let me know if either of you experienced this or if any of our listeners experienced this dm us or email us or something because i'm i'm curious if other people are experiencing this and it's a constant thing or if it's only coming up at certain times because for me it's only coming up at night when I'm really tired and have a high contrast setting. So yeah, I I don't think it, nope, it's not happening in normal settings. So yeah, let me know. Another weird thing that's happened with my eyes at night, if I am like, it sounds like I'm always watching Netflix in bed. This is not the case, but occasionally if I have Netflix or some other like streaming service playing and I'm watching it in bed, Sometimes I will like close one eye or maybe I'll be like laying on my side so I'm only really watching the screen with one eye. And I think that they like the two eyes basically adjust to the different light levels that they're absorbing. And so then when I open both eyes, something really weird happens. So one eye is like seeing things normally and the other eye, it's like, all the light in the room is gone. Like it's dark. I can still see things. It's not blind, but it's way darker and it doesn't adjust right away. Like it's like that for a bit. And so I end up like kind of freaking out, right? And just close my eyes and I guess go to bed or like let them, oh no, no. What I do is I end up turning on like the room light to try to help like reestablish the normal light level. So weird. I haven't Googled this yet. I don't really know how to put that into words. I'll probably Google it after I send this recording in. But has that happened to either of you either or any of the listeners out there? 
Am I just doing weird things with my eyes? I, I think the long story short is like less Netflix in bed. It's really not that much, but like less. Less is key. Less intense blue screen action on my eyes. But I am very curious if this has happened to anybody else. Yeah, I don't have any literary source connected to that. It's more just an experience. Okay, yeah, that's it. <laughs> All right, bye. Hey guys, it's Lauren reporting live from my bedroom. Wanted to give a little bit of an update on some thoughts rattling around in my mind. In real time, it's the end, middle end of September. And I don't know when this is going to be released, but kind of in the thick of seasons changing and like kind of back to school season, back to reality as it were. And depending on (laughs) when this comes out, I feel like it could still be relevant because what I want to talk about is kind of like routine stuff, getting back into a normal rhythm of life post-summer, which I feel like could apply any time in the next couple months leading up to the new year. So yeah, this final quarter, we're almost into the final quarter of the year, and this is kind of the season that I typically start thinking about. I start reflecting on the last nine months, what's happened, what I feel like I could have done better, what what kind of goals I had for the year that I want to get back to before the year ends. I'm a huge goals person. And uh, I, yeah, I just feel like I'm constantly kind of checking in on where my life is and where I want it to be and reevaluating things. But anyway, I wanted to talk about like routines and it's one of my favorite subjects. Because I just think developing really good and healthy routines can just make your life, make my life, run so much smoother. And I don't remember where I heard it, but I always think about that idea that, like, routines are, they're not really meant for when life is going super well or super easy. But that's a great time to establish really good and healthy routines so that when shit kind of hits the fan (laughs) or whatever life starts to get crazier things start to happen that you're not expecting as as life is and that's just what happens you have routines and things to really hold on to to help stay grounded when things just really start to feel out of control And so I think that's why I'm just so, it's one of my favorite subjects, and I think that's why in the last couple years I've really worked hard to develop different routines in my own life, and I'm always trying to figure out ways to do them better. But anyway, I think the last couple weeks I have really been thinking about my routines and trying to get back into a healthy place with them. I'm sure many people feel this way, but this summer just always feels so just all over the place, kind of in a good way. I think sometimes I get really hard on myself for falling away from healthy habits in the summer, but I also think it's a good time to just take a break from them, 
to almost like remind remind myself why <laughs> why I need good and healthy routines and habits. And um, the fall just seems like a good time to really get back into that. And I can go a little bit more into <laughs> some of the specific habits and routines that I'm talking about. But I think in the last couple of weeks, I was starting to get really just kind of ready to jump back in and find a healthier place um, with some different things, such as working out more consistently, eating healthier, just tuning in more to my financial place and (laughs) spending a better amount of time both out with friends and at home. It just feels like in the summer, I just don't have a good handle on a lot of things, which again, I think is totally fine and normal. But I think the, like I said, the fall just seems like a good time to really come back to those habits that I've learned and try new ones to incorporate so I don't have like one specific book really to recommend if you're looking for establishing new habits or new routines I've got a couple that I can list I think I really started getting more interested in figuring out what my morning routine in particular was going to be that's really where I started it started for me with something that Rachel Hollis was doing a couple years back, which, you know, I don't know if you've seen like what she's been saying recently, but I don't necessarily condone who she is (laughs) and what she's saying currently, but something that she was doing a couple years back really stuck with me. And it was called the last 90 days um, or the five to thrive. And I almost nearly successfully did it And the idea is that um, there are these five things that you can add into your life. They're super simple things, but the idea is to go into the last 90 days of the year not feeling spirally and out of control, but to just do these simple things in order to set up the the new year right. And yeah, I think the last 90 days can feel really out of control and and spirally for many people, but five things that she recommended doing were to wake up an hour earlier in the morning, to drink a certain amount of water, to exercise every day, to write gratitude. I think five only five things you're grateful for every day. And then the last one was to cut out a food group or something diet-wise um, that you know you shouldn't be eating. So the five things are all fairly simple things to do and fairly easy things. I mean, e- easy in concept things to add to your life. It, it's They're things that almost anyone could add, but um, it also was a challenge, as you can imagine. They're like waking up an hour early every single day and exercising every day when I was not really used to exercising more than a, once a week, maybe twice. This, this really changed my life, I think, in a good way. And it really helped establish a healthy morning routine for me. And this is not to say, I know a lot of my, my friends call me out as being a morning person. And I think it, it's been a lot of work to get to this point. And I can't say that I am a traditional morning person. <laughs> I was just thinking the other day, if you've watched uh, Ted Lasso, 
<laughs> every single morning my whenever my alarm goes off i am the epitome of roy kent just the growl in the morning i'm like it doesn't matter what time it is if it's like 5 30 a.m or 9 a.m i'm upset to be awake and I just want to growl about it but (laughs) I have learned through that challenge of waking up earlier than I was used to just how valuable that time is for me and I'm just such a slow starter in the morning and it takes me a long time to really wake up and be ready to be able to have a conversation with people at work to like be able to mentally just be able to start the day and do what I need to do at work I've realized that it does it's so beneficial for me to wake up early to have the quiet time in the morning so that I'm ready to to work when it's time and I know not all people are this way that there are we've talked on other episodes that you know everyone has a different circadian rhythm but I've just discovered how beneficial it is for me to wake up early in the morning And so that's one of the biggest things for me in in journaling in the morning. And I've also recently started working out again in the mornings, which is so, so hard for me to do. And and I really just don't enjoy getting up early in the morning. But I love the way I feel after my workout's been done for the day. And in the evening when I'm done with work, I can just relax and and do really whatever I want um, because I've already gotten that portion of the to-do list done. So it makes me feel really good, but I don't know. I guess all that to say, I encourage anyone to really figure out what morning routine works best for them and what makes them feel best. And it's not to say that everyone needs to work up to wake up two or three hours before they start work, but to really experiment with different things because I was not that person for so long. I was the person in high school and college who woke up 20 minutes before class, didn't shower, just barely brushed my teeth, didn't eat anything, (laughs) and grabbed coffee and went. So, like, I thought that that was the person I was destined to be. And I don't know, they're just... I think there are a lot of labels that we consciously or unconsciously put on ourselves that just don't have to be true. And I always labeled myself as not a morning person, and I'm working my way up to being one. We'll see if the Roy Kent grunt ever goes away, but I'm not counting on it. (laughs) Anyway, I have read some other books that are interesting about adding habits into your life, which I can add um, some of my recommendations to the show notes. But one other thing that I've learned that I think has been pretty powerful is whenever you have kind of an established habit, which when I'm working really hard to add a new habit to my life, like say taking vitamins in the morning, which has always been hard for me. I was never like a morning pill person. It got to the point where (laughs) I was having allergies so bad, but I could just never remember to take my allergy medication. And then I started wanting to take some other things, multivitamins and stuff, and just could never remember to take them in the morning. So one thing that has helped me add a new healthy habit into my life 
is to have a habit tracker, which I know doesn't work for everyone, but for my personality type, I just really enjoy marking the boxes when I successfully do something. And it just makes me feel like I'm making progress and doing a good job. It's like really back to elementary school Lauren who just really wants to put the stickers on the boxes. And so that's one thing that's really worked well for me. But I'd say after um, I have a good habit established, such as, I mean, a (laughs) a good example that almost everyone does or should be doing is brushing their teeth in the morning. I've learned if you're trying to add another habit to couple it with one that's already there. And so an example of this is that I've been trying really hard to remember to put um, sunscreen on my face in the mornings because my face isn't getting younger and it's not that it looks old, but (laughs) SPF is important on your face and so I've been trying really really hard to remember it and in fact I forgot to put it on today but I'll go put it on after this. (laughs) I in my mind have decided to couple the sunscreen with brushing my teeth so yeah I what I do is instead of putting the sunscreen on when I'm doing my other skincare I specifically wait to do it for when I'm brushing my teeth so that I know every single time I brush my teeth in the morning, I'm also supposed to put sunscreen on. It sounds really silly, but I I find it to work really well. And then, I don't know, some other examples. I think early in the pandemic, obviously... Um, A lot of routines kind of went out the window as we were trying to establish just a new way of being without knowing what in the world was going on around us. And a lot of my morning routine just kind of went out the window. (laughs) But a couple months in, as I was slowly kind of getting back to learning how to function as a human, I realized that I needed to establish a new nighttime routine because I just was not sleeping And I know a lot of people struggled with this in the pandemic, but I don't know. I was just, I was unable to sleep no matter how tired I was and no matter what um, I was kind of doing before bed. But I realized I needed to set a new routine before I went to bed in order to signal to my mind and body that it was time to start winding down instead of just laying awake for hours, like this is time to calm down and shut it down. So... With the, with the help of Lisa, um, we kind of brainstormed some different ideas, and I've since really come up with a good nighttime routine that I'm not always great at completing, but I do try really hard, and it has helped a lot with my sleep. One last thing is that one of my goals a couple years ago, right after grad school, was to really think about balance. I think I was so as grad school is for so many people just like really exhausted and kind of overstrung and just didn't really know what balance even looked like for a normal adult and I thought a lot about the word balance in that year and I realized that balance is really hard it's a really hard goal and I've definitely realized that 
balance will look different in different parts of life and it'll look different for many different people. But I recently saw that maybe balance isn't something that needs to be found every day, but over the course of a year or the course of a couple years. As long as balance is kind of found over the course of a period of time, I think that um, can be a healthier place to live. It just seems like it's kind of the equilibrium that needs to happen. And like I was saying with summer, things just started to kind of get out of whack and and just like a pendulum, it started to swing too far one way. And so now I'm kind of letting it swing the opposite direction without hopefully letting it get too extreme. I know for me, sometimes routines can get a little bit too much rule-based and I have to remind myself to give myself grace and <laughs> to really just try my best. That's all for now. I've been going on and on. <laughs> I hope everyone has a nice week. If you have any interesting habits or routines that you'd like to share or you have any questions about establishing a new routine, I'd love to chat more about it over on our Instagram page, um, which you can find us at wrdpod on Instagram. Well, we'll chat with you later. Bye. Hi, guys. This is Jamie. I guess I don't have a lot to touch on this week. I So full disclosure, I am recording this after... I started editing Lauren and Lisa's parts because I, what I recorded, I listened to it and the audio was complete trash. So I was like, I cannot upload this. So this is me re-recording. So I have already listened to Lisa's and Lauren's and I will just say, I things freak me out. So I like had a heart attack listening to Lisa's, <laughs> even though it was like 10 minutes of I stuff. I like can't. I can put contacts in just fine. I can itch my eyeball any day, like all day. But things like going wrong with eyesight really freak me out. I remember once in grad school, I had, there's a thing that happened where my hard drive crashed and I had to <laughs> recollect data and it took hours and I was under a deadline for something. I can't remember what it was. I want to say I had like a presentation coming up and I had to finish getting through my redos and I was literally in the computer lab on GIS for minimum 12 hours a day and this was along with going to classes, teaching, coming back, doing more. So it, w it was way too much and I was like struggling to finish and I had like I can't remember how many, 157 things to check. And I maybe got to 130. And then I literally, probably on day four of this, and I was not sleeping. I literally would go home and sleep for six hours and wake up and go back to the computer lab. And I went blind, not even kidding you. Like I lost my peripheral vision and I freaked out. I remember I went to the bathroom on the upstairs floor because it was like a single person bathroom and it was large and it was clean. And I sat on the floor and I probably had a panic attack for 15 minutes because I literally could not see. Long story short, it was definitely like migraine induced from sitting in front of a computer for 18 hours a day. Generally not a good idea. And also stress from, you know, having this deadline and 
being mad at myself in the first place for not backing up my hard drive. So this is to tell you all, if you're doing research and you're storing it on your hard drive, freaking back it up. Don't be like me. Don't be an idiot and be like, oh yeah, I know I need to back it up. Um, I, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it next week. Because guess what? One day you'll plug it in and it just won't work. Anyway, that's all I say. The solar eclipse of 2017 was the worst day of my life. And anyway, eyes freak me out. I can't handle things like the color change, going blind in any way. It's my worst nightmare. And then Lauren's all about routines. Man, was that not slightly triggering to listen to as I'm like desperately in need of routine and been really bad about having one. So probably should take her advice and listen and definitely start a routine. So I chose to talk about a book that I just read that had a very interesting premise, but I don't think pulled through. I gave it two stars on Goodreads. For me, that's horrible. Two stars. Normally, even things that I didn't love, I'll give a three star because I feel bad. Like I said, it's just, it's a great premise. It was really intriguing and it got me in, but then I think it just turned out to be, you know, what I didn't expect. So it's called The Dinner List by Rebecca Cyril. And it's basically like, you know, the premise of if you could have dinner or a meal with five people living or dead, who would it be? So this woman, Sabrina, was asked that question at some point. I think they were in college and her and her friend, Sasha roommate, were playing a game. Or, like, making a vision board or something. And she wrote down the five people. And they changed over the years. But were kind of thrown into this dinner right at the beginning, right? So, like I said, her name is Sabrina. And so, we're thrown into this dinner, like, ten years after she made the list. And it's kind of a confusing. We're like, we don't know why we're here. It's her birthday dinner. But, like, obviously it's not real. But they're trying to figure out if it's real or fake or what's going on um the 10 people are her best friend from college Jessica who she made the list with her one of her college professors who she like is really close to and he seems like super smart and intelligent and just you know the good kind of great college professor that you still keep in touch with her estranged father Robert who like left them when she was like five or six Audrey Hepburn and she like the day a couple they made this list a couple of days after she met this really hot guy on a boardwalk they she went to usc she met this really hot like artist and so she like wanted to meet him again so she put his name down and then we find out like it kind of goes back and forth between this dinner and her like budding relationship with this hot boardwalk guy she like kind of goes to find him at USC I think he goes to UCLA and she like goes to some club that she finds out he's a part of to kind of like try to run into him again but he's not there and she runs into his girlfriend and so she's like you know obviously don't want to handle that so she leaves and then like I think five years later she's in a subway in New York because her and her best friend moved to New York after school and like the subway there's like a stalling or whatever a delay in the subway and they're just kind of stuck in the cars and she looks up and the guy from the boardwalk is there 
So it goes through their relationship. They ended up dating for a long time. And I thought it was mostly to do about this dinner, right? And they do, it's like an every other chapter thing, dinner, real life, dinner, real life. But I didn't realize that the in-between stuff is a love story. And not only a love story, it's a breakup story in all reality. I am going to spoil things from here on out. So warning, some slight spoilers coming ahead. So if you actually do want to read this book, you might want to stop. The writing is good. I think the reason that I didn't like it is because it's focused really heavily on this like long-term relationship that clearly needs a lot of work. And that's just not at all what I was expecting. I don't, I was just kind of expecting the dinner list thing and like, oh, what's a dinner with these people going to be about? And, and we do get a lot of good stuff like that interspersed, which is why I kept reading, but it goes back and forth between like her relationship with him and it's good for a while, then it's bad and he's a struggling artist and then it's good again and she doesn't know what she wants to do with her life and her and her, her best friend from college gets married and has a kid and becomes estranged. Just the way that a lot of our friends do. I have a lot of friends from high school who I would consider my great friends still, but it's different. So kind of at the beginning, they're all kind of like, how are we here? You know, we never really figure that out. But about halfway through the dinner, this is the big spoiler. Halfway through the dinner, we find out that her boyfriend is dead. Yeah, so they it follows their relationship. At one point, they break up for a couple years. He goes to L.A. and tries to become an artist. He comes back. They get back together, like, immediately. And then it works for a while, and then they get engaged, and then it doesn't work, and then they break up. And then a couple weeks after their breakup, he gets hit by a car in front of her apartment, like, coming to apologize. Which we find out that at the very, very end. But it, like, clearly at this dinner, they're both still very much in love with each other. And then it goes into the dynamics of her and her father, who's estranged. And, like, why? Because she never really knew him. So she's trying to figure out why and what happened. And he has a new family now. And he's actually dead as well. And Audrey Hepburn's obviously dead. The professor's not dead. And the best friend's not dead. So it's not like she's having dinner with all ghosts. There are real people there, too. And I don't know, like, could this have all been a dream? Sure. They never really clarify that at the end. Really, I think it's more based on this relationship and this breakup and the idea that, like, oh, because we met in this subway car five years later, clearly it's meant to be. And what that all means. And you can't just rely on, oh, it's meant to be. You have to put in work. And at different points in the relationship, neither one of them or only one of them was willing to put in the work and how that's not gonna obviously lead to anything which is why they ended up breaking up like again I'm gonna say this for the 70th time because I feel really bad shitting on someone's work but the premise was great I think I'm just not in a headspace where I want to read a book about a breakup and then get back together and then a breakup again and this like relationship that was seemingly very immature but also you know they were in their early 20s so trying to figure it out I just I don't know I have gone through bad breakups and I don't want to read a book about a bad breakup right now like I don't want to be sad for either one of them or you know when you're just like reading and you're put in that headspace it's like 
I'm not going to a bad breakup right now. I'm in a pretty good spot right now, actually. So I'm not like gonna purposely read a book about going through a bad breakup. Now, if you're in a bad relationship or in a place where you don't care about reading this, this book could be great for you. It just wasn't for me. And that's all I want to say about that. Hidden. Do you want to say anything? Oh, that was beautiful, Aria. Thank you for sharing that. One other thing I wanted to draw attention to is just, obviously, we know Jamie likes football. Surprise. Just one thing, an initiative I wanted to draw your attention to in the NFL is the Colts. Let me start off by saying I've never heard of a full team just starting a initiative, starting a nonprofit around a cause that they care about. Players always have causes. They always have those like cleats for causes and they have the Walter Payton Man of the Year where they like give awards to the players who are most charitable and who do great things for their cities and their organizations and that's great. But I have never heard of a team itself actually leading the charge and I want to draw attention to my favorite team in the world who are the Colts. So the Colts, along with Jim Ursay, who's the owner of the Colts, um, have a new mental health initiative called Kicking the Stigma, and it's designed to raise awareness about mental health disorders and remove the shame connected to them. And also it raises money to help expand treatment services, especially in Indiana. And the whole team has come together. Many players have come out and discussed their mental health issues. And you can donate to this initiative. Um, You can buy t-shirts that give money to different resources. They have a bunch of resources on those websites. They have like a mental health test you can take, mental health guides. They have links to resources like Be Well Indiana and Indiana Recovery Hubs. Every money that goes Toward the Kicking the Stigma Fund um, supports expand programming by Mental Health America Indiana, NAMI Greater Indianapolis, Project Healthy Minds, and Bring Change to Mind, and also provides grants to other Indiana-based nonprofits working in education, support, and advocacy of mental health. So this whole team has come together to support this cause of mental health awareness, and really it was Jim Ursay that started it. You can look him up. But this is something that I just wanted to take a minute to bring to the public's mind because, again, it's extremely rare that an entire team would take on a cause and start something like this. So the Colts have had actually quite a history with mental health. When I was 10 or 11, I think it was in 2005, 2006, I could be wrong on those dates, but Tony Junji, who was the head coach of the Colts, who is, you know, an Indiana hero. Everyone loves him. He's on, you know, all the football morning shows now. Everyone in the world loves him. He's no longer an Indiana hero. He's just an everyone hero. Coach Dungy is the best. But in 2005, I think it was, his 18-year-old son committed suicide. And, you know, rightfully or wrongfully, it was, I remember it vividly, it was the front line of every newspaper. It was everywhere um you couldn't escape hearing about tony dungy's child who committed suicide so this isn't a new 
thing for the Colts, and it's not surprising that they would choose something like mental health awareness. Now, Tony Dungy no longer works for the Colts. He left, I think, in 2012, maybe. My recording kicked out, and I have no idea when that happened. So I'm just going to say, go to colts.com. They have a little bar along the top. Kicking the stigma is right there. You can read more about the initiative, more about the causes they support, communities they support in Indiana, and then across the United States. You can buy t-shirts. You can buy merch. It gives you, if you don't want a t-shirt, don't want any merch, you can just straight donate to these specific causes. And I think it's really cool that a full team has come together trying to raise awareness and bring bring help to those who need it because it's take it from me I'm very aware it's very scary to ask for help and even if you know that you have a problem and you're wanting to seek help just getting up and walking or driving to the doctor's office and sitting there and having to say I need help is extremely hard they always say admitting you have a problem is the hardest part I disagree I think admitting you have a problem is easy. I think asking for assistance with a solution is the hardest part. So this is just one place you can start. And with that, I'm going to say, go Colts. You are not alone. Sometimes you just need some synthetic serotonin to get you through the day. And there's nothing wrong with that. Have a good rest of your week and a good November ahead. Thanks for listening. Links from today's episode can be found in the show notes on our website, whatyoureadanddo.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you have anything that piqued your interest this week or that you want to share, email us at wrdpod at gmail.com. Maybe we'll feature you on the pod. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts and also on Instagram at wrdpod. Follow us to stay up to date on future episodes. Like, leave a review, tell a friend, you get the idea. Music for this podcast was created by Kalindo. Find him on Instagram at the real Stay inspired and we'll see you next time.